This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Good morning, this is Talking Devils, the leading independent Manchester United podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Barton, joined by Manchester United legend Paul Parker to talk over a, oh, quite a mixed week at Manchester United. How are you doing, Paul? How was your weekend? Um, I'm fine, thank you, Wayne. Weekend was okay. Um, Saturday, what I do Saturday? I'm trying to think, did I go to a game? I've just been in so many matches lately. No, I didn't, as it goes. I did. I did actually go to a game. I went to a game in Lincolnshire. Um, I think it was like step five, where I was actually, I watched the game and where I was doing a Q&A after. It was the final day of their season and their sponsor that helped them and they just had a big event on that day. So it was, it was quite an enjoyable day, really. My first real time in Lincolnshire. I never realised how difficult a place it is to get to from Essex. Yeah. Um... Yeah, that the east can be quite uh, tricky with its accessibility. Um, Norfolk and, and Lincolnshire is uh, the the forgotten areas of England. Yeah. Um, if you're watching live on YouTube or Facebook, feel free to get your questions and comments in. If you're watching the replay, say hello. Um, do feel free to comment. We can reply. If you're listening back on the audio podcast, be sure to subscribe and leave a review on the platform you are listening on. First of all. Yeah, I mean, I, I posted a, a, a little tweet yesterday saying, um, you know, win or lose, United are still sort of on par for expectation this season. And, you know, winning one cup and getting to a couple of semi finals and um, a European quarterfinal and, and Champions League qualification and playing good football with a manager who's got the strength of the, the club behind him um, seemed like a pretty good season. But then, Twitter being Twitter, I got a lot of abuse. You know, fans are fans like you are the reason why we're accepting mediocrity. Um, so I'm just offering my apology because obviously I'm the reason why we've not won a league title for ten years. And you know, I will try to be better in future with my standards and my accepting of standards and. Um, Clearly, my unreasonable expectations for, for the manager, um, which extend Paul to being fairly pleased this morning, although I was fairly rejected on Thursday night, which we'll get to in due course. Uh, but we'll talk about um, Brighton first of all. Game that finished nil nil. 
Um, Solly March, who, who played well in the game after recovering from a knock early on, he, he missed his penalty. Lindelof scored. United are in the final, and that's basically the story of the game. But um, if you want to dive a little bit deeper into it, which we are obviously going to do, um, it felt like a game of patches. You know, Brighton started both halves well. United rode a few storms, created a fair few chances, and all were openings themselves. Crucially, they defended very well. The lovely pitch made it quite difficult for both teams to play their natural game, like it always does. So they sort of came in fits and bounds. <coughs> And flowed like that. Um, it's difficult to say that either side deserves to win or lose. You know, it's diff- it's the worst way to lose a, a semi final, I suppose, or penalties like that. Um, and you know, Brighton can certainly feel like you know they, they deserved something from it. And United, I don't think, deserve to lose the game. So, um, and we had one poll. Um, all that matters is getting to the final. And you know, for United to win a penalty shootout after the, the sort of recent cursed look in it, um, it's obviously a good thing. But what, what did you make of the game itself? I mean, it wasn't it wasn't great to be perfect. And it's like you said, you used the word patches, and I think that's what it was. There was moments where United looked like the team that everyone would ex- works, you know, expecting to see really. And then Brighton had their bits. I mean, they are a very good side, to be fair. When you watch them and. You look how much it costs to assemble that side. You know, you think that's, they're very good and they've been consistent all season, to be perfectly honest. And the one thing for them is that they deserve the opportunity to play in Europe without a shadow of a doubt for next season. And they'd mostly go and do very well in the way they play. But for United, there were quite a lot of patches. I thought the extra time bit was all about Manchester United. I thought they were the better side in extra time, to be perfectly honest. David May was was there with me as well. And, you know, he actually agreed with me as well, which is a rarity because sometimes Maisie can be more cynical than me. But um, in that sense, I mean, it was, there was, I don't know, there was bits, could be critical, but after what happened on Thursday, I don't want to be too critical because of, it was a step forward. I look, for me, the what I saw was the bit that I enjoyed most was the, was the defence really defending in that sense? It was a lot better. Wan-Bissaka, I thought, was excellent. Yeah. Um, especially in the second half as well. He, he made two marauding runs and where before he'd made marauding runs before Ten Hag and it was like it was kind of, you know, it was, it was off the cuff and he was made, but there was he was more controlled about what he was going to do once he got himself out of trouble. He, he knew what he was going to do. He was so in control of himself, you know, and Dallow, done well, but he overcovered a hell of a lot in that first half. Especially in that first half, he was virtually playing, filling the gap which Luke Shaw was leaving because Luke had pushed in further to get tighter. Rather than keeping it a flat back four, Luke decided and off his own head, which I quite liked in a way, because he made the right decision. He went in there and become an extra man in that midfield to stop Brighton having a lot of the ball. Yeah. And, what it, and he took it upon himself, Dallow, to come in and when he, in the end, he was leaving um, Solly, Solly March quite quite a lot of um, room on that right-hand side. And it was a bit worrying because, as you said, he's a very good player. But it looked better. I <laughs> um, thought Lindelof and Luke Shaw were excellent as a pairing. The way the ball moved quicker from the back with it at their feet, the way they squeezed up and they was there, you know, and they pushed on the midfield players to allow them to compete with Brighton midfield. It was a lot better than what it was on Thursday evening. Um, 
and it's where <laughs> it's what sorry it's what Manchester United should have been doing on Thursday evening. Luke Shaw being on the bench didn't make any sense at all. It didn't. Yeah. It was madness for Luke to be on the bench. If he's fit enough to sit on the bench, he's fit enough to start the game. If there's an issue, start him and take him off. You bring someone on. You're asking, and the, the time he come on, you're asking themselves to extend themselves more than what they would do when they can build themselves slowly into a game. So that didn't make any sense. And there has been, on his last few weeks, quite a few occasions I've questioned the substitutions you know, that he's gone and made. Yeah. I, I did yesterday, to be fair, when he, he brought off wan in extra time and Fernandez, um, with Fernandez being one of our regular penalty takers and... I, I was concerned about, you know, Mitoma because Wambasaka, like I said, had played magnificently against him and then Dallo switching. To be fair, Dallo did a good job as well. Uh, I, I will say that, Wayne, by the way. Sorry. I was I was just sitting there and when that was going on, there was a, a game stopped and I saw Wambasaka walk to Ten Hag and he started talking and then I saw Ten Hag turn around, look at the bench, do move his hands um, and then... Next thing I know, I saw Malaska get up. So I turned around and I looked at Yap Stam and Yap Stam's looked at me and he just kind of gone, must be injured. And so, and that's what I thought as well. And it, and within five minutes, that's when the substitution happens. So Wan-Bissaka come off because he was feeling something, I think. Right. Because he, he was having a conversation. And that's why that happened. Because it made no sense at all to take off Wan-Bissaka. And I think everyone knew that. So there would have been a lot of people when that happened would have been a little bit worried because they'd seen that Juan Pesaka was one of the few fullbacks in this country. I know a fullback who 40 miles away from Manchester who had a torrid three games against um, Matoma. And Juan Pesaka had him in his pocket. And he come out he come out of his shell once Juan Pesaka had come off. He suddenly he suddenly found freedom. Yeah. Um not enough though. And United mm. um are in the final. Penalties, um they are still I mean, I mean, he's, he's saved a couple since the Villarreal, I'm sure. He saved the first one, didn't he, after that this season? Um, but or, or last season, I should say. But, um, yeah, didn't save another one in the shootout, but thankfully um, it comes right down to sudden death. What is it, Paul, about United that, you know, he can't even do a penalty shootout in the regulation five. It has to go all the way to sudden death and you have to run through that lottery as well. I mean, United's penalties... Were, were perfect and that shows you I mean we've questioned the nerve of some of these players and that's going to be something where we praise them really because the, the penalties were great they were just to be honest I, turned, it was, um, I was with someone they looked at me and they kind of said who's going to take the penalties and I'm just I'm just going to look now I'm just going to go let me phone and I kind of I put it down I put it on a message on my phone put it in there so I wouldn't miss it and, and I kind of what I put down yeah, I put down, I assumed I went Luke Shaw, Rashford, Veghorst, and I went Casemiro, and I didn't know the other one. The fifth one, I didn't know. And then when it started, I was completely wrong, as you know. I mean, they just, I mean, Casemiro took the first one. I yeah. thought Luke, Luke Shaw would have taken one because, as we know, Luke Shaw with his left foot, it's like a bit of a wand in a way, the way, you know, very, very good and it's powerful as Wick being very technical. And Luke Shaw never took one in the first five, which I found very, very... I thought the way Luke Shaw sells himself is all about confidence. And But I think when it comes to the penalties, why he wasn't there, I was very, very surprised. I was really surprised that Lindelof was going up to take the one to go and win the game. 
I was yeah. really surprised, but I'm really, I'm, I was really pleased with Lindelof. And another thing, which David May agreed with me, and I turned around, I talked about Lindelof. He thinks the same about Lindelof as what I do. I think he's been caught up in a storm, and he's taken the brunt of it as well when he should never have been anywhere near it. Because yeah. you know, on a few occasions I've seen him represent his country. He's been excellent. He is a leader in the way he plays, and people should notice that you watch him when he's playing, the way he, he communicates with people. But every time I've seen him play, again, I'm saying this, I think I said it from last week or whatever, when he's coming and being called upon, he is delivered. Yeah. He's not moaned. He has not sulked. He's gone out there and given everything. And he's, he's not just gone out and played his game. He's gone out and helped people with their game as well by going yeah. on and taking the ball on and, I, I just think he now he now needs to be playing. If he's going to, in my opinion, he's got to look at Luke Shaw at this moment playing on that left side. He Lindelof has to be playing every game in, on that right side until such time Varane comes back in, and it, then he can decide if he wants to put Luke back where he is, and um, and go from there really and play Lindelof in that left hand side. He already knows, we've already seen that Harry, he doesn't want Harry Maguire on the left-hand side because Lindelof played there. So yeah. he, put, he tried to give Harry the best possible chance of playing on his stronger side. So now he's made some incredible decisions. He's had difficult bits he's had to deal with as a Manchester United manager. A lot of it initially was taken out of his hands, I think, but he's come back strong and gone and dealt with them. So I think now he's got to deal with his big one now and make a valid point now that he is not comfortable as far as and as a hell of a lot of people are exactly the same position. That Harry Maguire does not feel anyone with confidence when he plays. Mm, yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. We'll get to that a little more. But yeah, a little more, more praise for Lindelof while we're talking about him because I've, you know, on this podcast, I've been critical of him as well. Um, I think perhaps the biggest tribute we can give him is all the biggest accolade or compliment is that when we're talking about it, he's fitting to either side of the centre off and he's done it without complaining and without excuse. Do you know what I mean? Like we've we looked at players and said like maybe Maguire wasn't playing well because he was on the left. Maybe he wasn't playing well because he's on the right. All that sort of stuff. We've been looking at the players and excuse and Lindelof hasn't had that luxury, but he's come, come in this season when needed either side of that centre slot and he and he's done he's done great and you know yeah we'll, we'll um you would presume that his form um touch wood this day is fit because we know how um, how erratic our, our fitness problems can be at the back um that you know that he stays in there um a couple of comments from Robbie. Good morning, mate. Oh, you're all, all right. He says we definitely got away with one yesterday but we have a, another final possibly up to us to stop a treble I think tonight has to leave Lindelof for sure there until Moran's back. Lindelof's a different player when Maguire's not there. All right, so um, two cup finals. Obviously, we've been on the same page with Tenor pretty much since the turn of the year. That you know he's he's close to he's meeting expectations or exceeding them. And obviously, success in a cup final, in FA Cup final, and, and you know Champions League football is going to be. A, a pretty huge success for a first season. I think we both agreed with that. Um, European football was meant to be the gateway, the sort of safety cushion for Champions League qualification. And after beating Barcelona, United should have expected they could have taken on anyone. 
Um, it is Sevilla's competition. They tend to come alive, but still, I think United. Um, I don't want to say made things easy for them uh, because I don't think that's fair because they put on a good show, but I think that they made things inviting for them um, with the way that they set up. And we we were talking about this, Paul, we kind of exchanged messages about this, and I've talked about this on social platforms as well. I don't really feel comfortable. And we have talked about this before, actually. We have talked about when, when it gets to a point, you know, with some players, when we, we were saying about Matter and he was looking a little bit leggy and stuff like that. You don't want to hang out players to dry when they're when they're just the time's come. The time has come for them to move on. And um, to that end, you would sort of put it at the manager's door and say, "Well, anyone could have sort of made that estimation before the game that Harry Maguire playing in starting is going to mean that you're retreating 15 yards and you don't need to be doing that in a European game uh, when you need to score the first goal or when you need to take control of it, when you need to take the initiative and, uh, you know, maybe bring him on later on if you're defending a comfortable advantage. But, you know, we didn't do that. And from that moment, we were um, we're chasing. I mean, let's let's be right. I mean, it's not like the hair covered himself in glory. A couple of big mistakes from him as well. Um but you know, the first goal was basically everything that could go wrong did go wrong. Um, I don't want to harp on too much about this because we're obviously we bounced back, we've got a result, but we it's, it's something that happened in the last week, so we have to cover it. Um, it's one of those terrible European nights, Paul. It, it was everything that could go wrong did go wrong. If you were looking around the pitch for answers from players to step up hoping for a surprise. You didn't get it because you saw, once again, there's a level that these players can't get to or a level of where the platform of Manchester United intimidates that player. Whoever it may be who we're talking about, you can pick a handful and that this was a step too far for them. Um, It doesn't give an excuse, um, but then again, you look at the manager and think, you know, this is where he needs to improve as well. You know, his his selection, he's got it wrong on the night. Um, what well, what did you make of it? Without wanting to be, without wanting to bang on to the about is nearly a week ago now. But what what did you make of it? Well, I'm not going to be different to anyone else. I'm, I don't really know what to say that hasn't hasn't been said already. To be perfectly honest, it was loads. I mean, every you know, I was doing what I was doing at Wembley yesterday, and just everyone you speak to just kind of were, were there, and all, all they wanted to do was just talk about really how embarrassed they were with, with their players, to be perfectly honest, with the United players, how embarrassed they were by how, what they went about, you know, how they went about it. Um, everyone, had quite a few, did mention Anthony and said, you know, that he's, he was one of the few that was having a go. He never stopped in the way he is, and he has got that bit about him. But it was poor. Um, there, was, there was nothing there. No one was guiding anything a lot of players just switched off and it I can't really find anything without being too cutting and I can't can't do that you know I, I personally can't do that now because the moment's gone there was a, what happened yesterday United have got over that by stumbling across and getting themselves into another final now there's an opportunity to go from now until the end of season with better better performances and more honest performances from everyone and then see what happens then because every, all everyone's doing is talking about next season at the moment 
thank goodness there's get there's you know there's a few bits you know there's still a Champions League league spot to seal which could be done on Thursday, and there's an FA Cup. Otherwise, that's all people will be talking about, and a lot of people would be getting wound up regarding the situation with the owners. But you know people want that put to bed so United can start the summer in the right in the right position to go out and get players sorted out weeks months before the season starts so they can turn up on the first day of pre-season rather than generally odds and bods turning up in the final week or one game in and when there's no organization so that's what man you know that's what the club want I think the supporters want but no I think now the what's happened now happened in Spain has to be put to bed now and really forgotten about I mean I will say one thing though about the first goal. And as you know, I'm, I am a fan of David De Gea. I know it's coming to that point, but I still look at him as a goalkeeper first and uh, a great striker and a great distribu- distributor of the ball second because that's the better combination for me as a goalkeeper yeah. rather than worrying about his great... Alisson is supposed to be the best goalkeeper in the world. Saw what he done in the weekend. You know, he cost Liverpool a goal by trying to play out a pass and all that. Goalkeepers will make mistakes, the same as everyone else. The problem is their mistake can create an incredible opportunity or it could cost cost the team a goal and they get slaughtered for it and they're judged off of that rather than the save. David De Gea made some great saves yesterday, must say, yeah. to keep United in the game. But no one will talk about that. They'll wait for his next mistake to slaughter him. But I look at that first goal because there was an identical... It followed them on the following day, wasn't it? Last month, the Arsenal game. Yeah. But exactly the same with Ramsdale. Ramsdale yeah. didn't didn't put enough meat on the bone with his pass. David De Gea, there was there was enough meat on the bone. The only thing wrong that David that he done was he made a poor decision. Harry Maguire has asked for the ball. Has he done that because of his ego? But his everything was I want the ball. David De Gea put enough weight on it, and if that had been a more correct centre half, if that had been a Varane, if that had been a Martinez or a Martinez, whatever you want to call him. If that had been a, um, a Van Dyke, they would have assessed that situation. They would have let the ball run across their body, and then they would have been they would have they would have broken down that, that closing down. They yeah. would have broken it down. By the three of them would have been out of the game. Wan Pasaka would have strolled on to be able to to foray forward and then the ball would have been given to him. He decided that he wanted to try and pass it through a player. In other words, he panicked. He's after the ball, didn't really want it, as I see it, but he's got it and he totally had no picture in his head at all what he was going to do next. David De Gea saw the picture, delivered the ball with the right weight on it and he didn't he didn't do his bit at the end. So it was it was both their faults. But it yeah. wasn't David De Gea saying what a bad ball. It was the right yeah. ball, but it was a poor decision at that given time to give it to that player in particular. Yeah. Um Maguire afterwards, um, in reaction to the goal, he's I think he was mouthing off at De Gea saying better communication or something like that. Words or angry gestures to that effect. So sorry, Harry. Sorry, Wayne. Harry Harry Maguire said that he did the thing, you know. Which yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, I mean, I won't. I don't want to go too far on that. But that, again, I, I I do. I, I scrutinise. I watch him every time I see him playing. I watch him. I watch the way he plays, and he gets the ball, and he dilly dallies, and then 
he gives it backward because it is generally he, he hooks it when he kicks the ball. He hooks it backwards and then he throws his arms up to at somebody because they weren't doing that. Every time someone runs in behind the team, he's always the last man. All he does is gets his arms up. He's a modern day Tony Adams, but but nowhere near the level of Tony Adams. Arms up and then then he's looking at the assistant referee going finding excuses and it's just all excuses at the end of it it was both their fault when he talks about communication he's after the ball because he's given the ball because David Gea believes he could he's seen the picture now we was told during my time is that when Eric Cantona asked the ball you give it to him and unless he's got someone standing on his head or actually standing on both his feet you're going to give Eric the ball because you believe that Eric knows Eric knows the picture. All you've got to make sure is that you give him the correct ball in the sense of what weight you're going to put on it, and Eric will do the rest. If it didn't, if it didn't work out, Eric will take responsibility because he's after that ball. He didn't really want Eric taking responsibility because that meant he was able to try and get the ball back. And as yeah. we all know, Eric wasn't very, very good at getting the ball back off of people. And you've got to say as well, I mean... I don't want to lump in on a single player. I think you could argue the case, not that we're going to, but you could argue the case that Thursday was sort of career-defining for three or four, or at least two um, players. And that um, it becomes difficult to argue a case for them playing into next season, no matter what they do from now mm. until the end of the season. Um but I will say this, you didn't see those kind of mistakes from De Gea yesterday. And you also saw a goalkeeper who, I mean, it's a big, I mean, that's not his regular defence in front of him. And that's a big step for a goalkeeper to go from that in 72 hours, to go from a European embarrassment to a FA Cup semi-final um, at Wembley and to go there with the composure and not look like making a mistake because there was never any time. I mean, the Brian fan, fans played it up like, we're, ooh, but he never looked close to making the same kind of errors. And it is about, we've talked about this so many times on this podcast, it's about combinations of players who are, are around you, who are responsible for, you know, giving and receiving passes. They've got to take care in everyone around them. And that's, I think, been a big problem with United over the last seven or eight years is that you don't have enough players like that. De Gea obviously not one of those players. And um he stepped up yesterday. He was he was fine in the game. Um lucky at the end where I thought Mitoma could well have been sent off for the lunch Um but he still got up and got on with it. Um yesterday didn't save a penalty and I was looking at him thinking, how's he going the right way for some of these and doesn't even look like he's gonna save them. But uh, we could call, we could call that a Peter Shelton moment. Yeah, yeah, was, uh, that was one. He was always that one. He went he went the right way every single time. The problem was he got nowhere near the ball. We've got to say though, he did he did make two great saves in the game, and he played really well. And his composure helped the defense, which was Lindelof for sure. Let's say it again, he helped them be settled to be able to play their game what they were comfortable to keep Brighton who scored plenty of goals against really good teams, 
to keep them goalless, um, everyone in that defence deserves a lot of credit for, for the performance yesterday. Um, this isn't standards dropping, saying, oh, United, um, these different respects. You've got to give respect to how Brighton have been this season. They, they were coming into that game full of confidence. And then you've got to expect that you're going... There were people in the game going, oh, United are playing on the... Shooting, you know, United are playing on the counter-attack. This is, this is pathetic. It's like... Have you never watched a game of football? Do you think that it's all the first 25 minutes? The game of football is however long it's going to take to complete. It's, you know, but they, they do it, you know, people, it's just reactionary these days, isn't it? You know, they come in the game. They've made observations in the game that they're going to write teams and managers and players off. And thankfully, United got through it. Um, and Brighton, I've got to say again, they played very well and they will come out of this game thinking, and they did, they were saying it after the game. They felt the better team lost. They're entitled to think like that. It was a tight semi-final. I don't think it's necessary. I think it's a bit bitter to come out saying that because they didn't do enough to win the game. Um, but it's what it is. Um, and United are in two domestic cup finals for the first time since. Paul, do you know when the last time United in... '94. Yeah. And... Um, in that one, we won the FA Cup. So let's hope mm. it's the first time in history that United win the two domestic cups because <laughs> we, obviously, it was mentioned earlier in the comments. I'm not going to talk about it today, but you know, the, the prospects of Manchester <coughs> with treble is something that's sort of crept upon a few people. Um, let's hope that Real Madrid is that before Force to have anything to do with it. But yeah, certainly add some spice to that occasion. Um, yeah, you said earlier, Paul, um, Thursday could be the defining um, day for United's Champions League qualification. If not Thursday, then certainly by this time next week, you know, because United play Villa on Sunday. If United get two positive results out of the next two games, it's I'm not, not mathematically done and dusted, but um, barring an incredible turnaround, because a lot of things still have to play each other. United are fairly comfortable now because of what happened at um, Newcastle yesterday. Um, Spurs are next for us on Thursday. Defeat at Newcastle suggests very terrible. They made a I mean, terrible tactical decision earlier on to, to play with a four, considering they've been playing with a three for, for so long. Not that they've, they've been brilliant defensively in a three, but they were, I don't even know how to describe the first 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> So you would say, well, they're still fairly vulnerable, low on confidence, but this is the perfect game for them to get a reaction. And I ain't saying that because it's one of those things we often pull out are the perfect game for a reaction. But they are. They, that's what they will serve to be. They'll be looking at them saying, United have got the vulnerabilities. They'll be tired after two hours um, at Wembley. Um, what are you expecting to see? Because obviously... You follow Spurs closer than most because of being a Bayern fan of them. You know, you've got a little bit of interest in them. What do you think we're going to see on Thursday? I believe we'll see another United win. <clears throat> For the simple reason, I mean, I, I was there against Bournemouth and fans, the fans walking, are walking in negative. <clears throat> and, and I saw the Bournemouth game. Bournemouth totally outplayed them. Not totally outplayed. Well, they were. Tottenham were on the counter-attack most of the time. Um, they, got, they found themselves in front. They got it was in a winning position, and they failed because they weren't good enough. And they got totally found out by Newcastle. I mean, I was watching it in bits go when I was kind of working. I was watching it, and 
and I've been saying it for ages, if you're going to play with Eric Dyer as a sweeper, then you've got a big, big problem. And the problem was like coming to fruition from the fact of too much power, too much strength, too much pace. He just can't deal with it. He's just not good enough in that position. And he's a midfield player gone backwards, so God knows what's going to happen next. But the fans are the fans are gone in a in a much smaller way. The fans are digging out Levy and the owner who lives in the Bahamas and digging them out as well. But you look at Spurs and you look at that. I don't I don't call it a stadium. It's a venue. It's an incredible, incredible place to go yeah. and watch a game of football. Everything about it serves everybody at all levels, and you you cannot complain about anything. It's an incredible place. But um, the football, the football is poor. <clears throat> They're playing. I mean, I believe it, and everyone keeps saying to me, "How can Spurs sack their manager, but yet have his sidekick, who's been his sidekick for a long time, still there?" And you know, virtually everyone is saying he's still in his ear. And the reason why I can't deny that and come out and say that's madness, it wouldn't happen, they wouldn't go that way. Is that the way Spurs are playing? They're still playing the same system. The same players are still playing regularly. Normally, someone new coming, if Ryan Mason was to take over, which a lot of people just want him there because they see him as Spurs. He's growing up from a kid as a Spurs player. You know, he's now a coach, been a coach there for a long period. They, they, they'd rather just have him to the end because they believe he'll do something different and he can, different, he can see the faults. Everything's the same still. So that suggests to me that, He's still speaking to his long his long time working companion, and that now is what's great in the fans more than anything. So the moment they go on that pitch, Spurs, they are in they're in serious trouble from their fans. United go and attack them straight away, score that first goal, and then it's it's good night Vienna as far as I'm concerned. There's nothing nothing there at all. There's no fight in them. They're a team that are lacking individuals with it. You know, a number of their individuals haven't got heart to be perfectly honest. Well, I hope that your bullish confidence is is proven. Um, but but remember, I'm, I'm remember, I'm, remember, I'm saying it. Someone who's watched them a few times, somebody who lives in with a lot of Spurs fans around. I'm sure Jamie O'Hara will go really all in at them, but no one's interested in listening to what he he's got to say about it. Um, I don't expect you'll be quite so bullish about United's chances against Villa, who've been so good under Emery. Um, completely different team to how they were under Gerard, as we know, because you know we unfortunately had to, you know, we dealt with them and they were they were magnificent at Villa Park. Um, they've been so good um, outside chance um, of Champions League football, and that's their, you know, so their chances hanging um, on. United having a collapse, so Sunday's a chance to put that to bed. I mean, I'm not one to say that a draw is a good result at Old Trafford against Aston Villa, and I'm not going to say it here, but you want to kind of keep them at arm's length and as long as they don't avoid defeat. Say if we get a win against Spurs and we get avoid defeat on Sunday, then you would sort of say that that's too far amounting for anyone to climb. So I'm not saying draws a good result. I'm, I'm just saying that that's the kind of equation that puts Fulham up. Because you'll expect that they'll defeat Fulham. I think they've got Fulham at home in the midweek. So it feels like a fairly routine game for them. Um, but 
in so much as United know that if they get two wins in these next two games, they push all out for it, and it makes the end of the season a little bit more comfortable for them. Um, do you think that you're going to see that kind of effort from United in the next two games? I believe so, because I think there's, there is a lot of players who are having to push a bit, you know, really in theory, for their careers, because if they just think they can coast through and be Manchester United players, I, I don't think it, I don't think it works that way. Or they can believe it's going, you know, there might be ones who think, oh, it's all over. I know I'm going somewhere else. I'm, you know, that's it and go through it. But all you want really, you're looking for him to be playing the players more now. The ones he wants there for next season, or the ones who are still who are honest enough to want to prove a point to earn the right to be there. And yeah. and if that's going to be maybe. You know, Mister Marmite in um, Veghorst, and you play him because you know what you know what you're going to get. You know, the rest of it, you know, you know you can maybe shrug your shoulder, but at least you know there's going to be honesty out there. You're hoping that certain play. You, I'm, I'm hoping that Varane can be around, and maybe even disavailable for the Sunday, so that then that puts pressure on people who are going to lift themselves. But the yeah. two centre halves, I don't think you've got any problem there. You've got no problem with Lindelof in now. The, the bit that still worries me is the front three. It's just there's just no consistency in the front in the front three at all. It's just unless again I say it and I keep repeating myself, unless Marcus Rashford scores a goal, you're not getting anything there. You're getting no great threat. He ties himself in knots trying the most difficult of things rather than keeping it yeah. basic. His strength is is to control pass move. Get the ball his in best front. Moments, his best moments yesterday were the complicated moments, like when he teased it up to Ericsson. You know, he just waits for a second, plays the pass, and then the frustrating elements were, like you said, trying to dribble through like two or three players yeah. at once. He's just—he's just, he's just not good. He's not good enough to do it. It's not—it's not his strength. His strength is people find him in space. He can pin someone down one against one, go past them with space, or you put him. You, he run. He tries to run in behind and go one against one with a keeper. That's his strengths. The yeah. rest of it, combination play, generally, he fails. And you know, sounds a bit harsh, but I sit there and I watch games. I scrutinise. I do everything. And people will say to me, but his numbers, stats, that's what people, that's what all these people say now. It's a new hip thing to say in football. But I watch 90 minutes. I don't look at stats to tell me someone's played well because stats, stats lie. Stats, they can make you really bad or they can make you really good. And if you just watch for 90 minutes and you watch what they do, you have the normal scouts who go and watch games of football they will tell you about a player rather than someone who's a scout who uses numbers. If you're going off numbers, go to a race course. Go to a race course and pick a winner. Simple as that. Well, one thing with Ashford, though, um, what you mentioned about the combinations, I think it's probably fair to say that, not that I'm into giving players excuses, but at least, if you said numbers, at least he's contributed goals and he's contributed a lot. Oh, I, I'm, I, yeah, I'm, I'm not doubting that way at all. He's definitely done that more than anyone else. But I still look for more. There's more. Over the years, United have had great goal scorers, great goal look, scorers, but, they've had, but they, they've had more in their game. They've had more in their you, game, a lot more. Do you, do you think that maybe... Just, just pointing out there that that's down to the fact that Martial and, and Sancho have been so poor, you know, because you've got to you've got to build combinations. 
Mm. Those players no. had in preseason. In preseason, it looked like it was going to come off, but when, but it did look quite good against um, was it Liverpool earlier in the season. But then, ever since then, Martial's been out, and then Sancho's had to spell out, and Martial's come back, and he's not looked good, and Sancho struggled, and. If you've got that kind of, you, try, you know, because Marcel and Rashford have usually been good in tandem and they've not looked good since the turn of the Whenever they've played together recently, it's not looked like the, the combination that it used to be. No, I, I, I don't think so. I, I just think it's been, it's been, he scored, it's been, he scored goals, Marcus Rashford, and, and like Ten Hag has said it, that needs, it needs someone else, it needs someone else to, to score goals. Even Sir Alex Ferguson has said it as well. We need someone else to score goals. Great sides do not rely on one goal scorer. It, it, does, it doesn't happen that way. Goals come from everywhere. We've seen City go through their moments when it was all about... And, and they struggled. That's when all of a sudden he's tweaked it and he's managed to virtually get work his way around that, around that situation. But United have been about, you know, Dwight, you know York and Cole, you know, even when Van Nistelrooy, as great a goal scorer as he was, other players were chipping in as well, scoring goals. Wide players, everyone was scoring goals, and there's no one else there. Martial just never looked like he was going to score at all. Anthony had one opportunity, but he put no. He, there was no weight, no no strength on the shot he had. There isn't anyone there you, you consistently you would turn around and say, "I think they're going to score because they're going always going. They're always knocking at the door." There isn't yeah. anybody really there. I don't think Marcus Rashford had a shot yesterday. If I look at it, if he did have no. a shot, it wasn't it wasn't on target. No, I can't remember one. And no, he, 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 he knows. Know, yeah. No, and you look at Brighton's midfield. Our back four had to really, really work hard. Yeah. Really, really work hard. Their back four didn't have to work as hard. Didn't yeah. anywhere near having to work as hard. You know, and it's Manchester United v Brighton. That's wrong. Yeah, yeah. Um, Patrick makes comments along that line. He says, "Good morning, <coughs> Patrick. Hope you're well." He says, "I have to agree with Mr. Parker on Rashford. It's difficult for people to be truly objective on what they see on the pitch versus the headline numbers. If Rashford's scoring a hatful of goals, then it's gold. Without goals, my concern is how he's impacting the game in terms of general play, first touch, crossing, first team, crossing for teammates, etc." I always ask myself, are opposition defenders feeling like they've been in a tough match? And yet, I think you could make that case yesterday for sure. But I, I come back to my point on it, is that I wonder if that's it makes it easier for defenders to deal with Mar Marcus because the other two, well, not Anthony so much, but when Sancho and Marcel are on the pitch, that they're not really causing the problem. In fact, they're not, you know, at least Marcos makes himself present, at least Anthony makes himself present. They're causing visible issues for defenders, and um, maybe bringing in a, another set forward in the summer. Hopefully, you'll see more defenders <coughs> from Rashford. We, we don't know, but at this moment in time, he is the one scoring. Generally, he's the one scoring the goals, and um, it's the better problem for now to have out of the problems that they've got in the front line, uh, which you know. Could, or could not prove costly by this time this week. Um, Paul, you were. Confident enough to declare or insist that United were going to be too <coughs> still this week. Um, oh, why not? I really, I said, I really hoping, I was really hoping after the game on Thursday, I thought, was, oh no, then we've done that. And even after, even yesterday, I was still, 
it's going to get mentioned again. I just thought myself, just pull it, just pull it a bed. I wanted you to pull it a bed, Wayne, but you haven't. No, but I'm, well, I'm, I'm only put, bringing it up to um, ask you for this week. Um, I don't <coughs> like making you make score predictions, but um, do you reckon that by this time next <coughs> week we'll be talking about United being very comfortable in the Champions League spots? Yes. Yes. Mr. 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 Skeptic says yes. Uh, Roy says, do we go in, all in on Thursday against Spurs to wrap four up? Would be nine points clear and two games in hand, or do we start trying some new faces? Paul, I can pretty much guess your answer to that is going to be just keep going with a strong side, right? Yeah, I, I would say so. I, I can't pronounce it. Is it pedestrian? Is it the right? Pedestrian, the right way. P- but yeah, <clears throat> I given given how poor inconsistency we've been in wide areas, I think he deserves a start. I think I just think, honestly think Ganetro got his start. I don't see why he hasn't really he hasn't had a start. And I just think he I just like it's something about him I like. And I just think maybe, you know, to give him a start. You know, when yeah. you look at what you're getting from Sancho on that left hand side, you've seen what we you get from Martial when he plays through the middle. I just think Nothing, nothing that's can any of them can go knocking on the door to the manager and say, "Why aren't you playing me?" I would give the young team, the young lad, the opportunity. In a team that's come back, it went low. It's got themselves back yesterday, somewhere. Got got a lot back, a lot of respect back from the fans. And I just think now to bring him in would add a lift to the fans as well. To see a young lad come in, especially coming to a game against Tottenham, which is always going to be a great atmosphere. <clears throat> Always a big occasion at Tottenham, even though that there's a lot of people who, <laughs> who have said they're not going they're not going to watch Spurs anymore. So it'd be interesting, you know, where those tickets go to. Could be given to you know become like a family given to school kids because I know there's a lot of people not taking on the tickets. So um, I think he's I think he's worth a run. You know, yeah. he's been around a lot, and I personally I do think so. Yeah, I um. I, th- I think you, you could be right. I mean, there was a period in the game yesterday that Anthony played from the left, and he might be looking at that and think, you know, put Anthony on the left, put Rashford through the middle, put Palestri on the right. Um, so, yeah, it, it could definitely be something that yeah, it looks like it needs a freshen up in there, and that's something different. Um, yeah, I mean, anything we see, I mean, if, every time I kept looking at that telly yesterday with the Spurs game, Newcastle just beat them with energy. And if you have, and if you, and Wayne, I want to take, but you look at that Spurs back three, back five, they're, they're so slow. They are so, so slow. There's nothing, nothing there. They've got Poro on the right hand side. It was going to cost them about 40 million. It works out. Not, not great. No great. Not, doesn't really want to go back. On the, on the other side, it was, um, is it, who is it? The, um, Croatian. Yeah. Um, um, I've forgotten his name. Pepes, is it Pepe, not Popescu? He played for Chelsea. I've forgotten his name, but he and he's not full, and he's not he's not a defensive one. So there's great opportunities for the wide players to get. There's going to be so much space in the wide areas, but they you have to attack it quick, not dilly dally, just drive at them. And if you get a you get a Romero, he will give fouls. He will give he'll give opportunities for penalties. You know, and you run you can run off of um, Dyer all day long. He's a bit like um, he's a bit like Harry in a way that at the moment he knows he's not going to win it. He fouls you. He gives yeah. away fat, so many fouls all the time. They're so vulnerable. Midfield flat. 
no 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 playmaker skip and Hoibiang in there no no playmaker every after every spurs game i always go up to a box after i go in a box with i'm not name dropping here but i go in there with ex spurs that you know proper players Graham roberts paul paul miller mickey hazard glenn hoddle Ozzy ardiles pat jennings always in there and normally for about 20 30 minutes i'm in there waiting for everyone to disappear so I can just jump on the train home a bit more easier. And they talk about that, that Spurs team out there and they are so disappointed. So, so disappointed. Just just by what they're, what they're seeing out there, there is, there's nothing out there that they could, which they like at this moment in time. And, yeah. and it's, I mean, I once, I can't say what, you know, some of the things that they say, but all I'm saying is they're players that, some, you know, from different eras. I mean, I played with Aussie at Queen's Park Rangers for four months and and just hearing him talk about what's going out there. And, and when someone like Glenn Hoddle says there's no creativity in the team, there isn't many yeah. players who can actually come out and say that. And you'll turn around and say, you know, you come out and say, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, uh, yeah he's definitely one qualified to talk about that. Um, yeah, they might be disappointed. They would have been definitely disappointed yesterday. But if they if Spurs treat us to the same kind of performance on Thursday, then there'll be a few happy Manchester United fans for sure. Um, we will be back next week to talk about those games against Spurs and Villa. If you've enjoyed watching the podcast, um, give us um, a like and subscribe on on YouTube and like on Facebook. Feel free to comment if you're watching the replay as well. If you're listening back on the audio podcast, be sure to subscribe and leave a review on the platform you're listening on. We'll be back next week, guys. Stay safe, stay well, and thanks for listening and watching. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.